Let's just stay in that uh, attitude of prayer as we move into our corporate prayer time. Just reminding what Dan said about just thinking again of anything that we need to surrender to the Lord as we've had this lovely time of preparation and worship to let the Holy Spirit just minister to us and touch those things in us that he wants to help us with. Loving God, how absolutely amazing is your love. You are the creator of the universe, the maker of planets, of atoms, the oceans and volcanoes. You have so much awesome power, Lord, and yet you chose to come to us as a tiny helpless baby to live a life on earth that set us an example and then died for our sins to show us how much you love us. We are so grateful Sometimes. We worship you and adore you. Sometimes. So often we don't even think about you much, but when things go wrong we run to you and you never reject us. Your all-embracing love welcomes us and surrounds us and we feel at rest and at home. Please forgive us for the times we reject you. For the times when we choose our own way and sin against you, others and ourselves, renew our minds, Lord, and resolve. Help us to make wise choices in future, to have your mind on all things. When we leave here this morning, let us not forget the words we have just sung. Above all, help us to surrender our will. Let the desires of your heart become the desires of our heart. May the self in us decrease so that your spirit in us may increase. Every day, may we truly offer you all that we are, all that we do, and all that we have. Lord, we need to be reminded that we will only know peace and joy when we are in a right relationship with you. Remind us that peace and joy are found as we sit with you and listen to you. When we are anchored in you, we can stand against the temptations that come to us. The trials we go through will not have victory over us and we always have the promise of eternity with you to sustain us and give us hope. But Lord, so often we struggle along on our own, forgetting the amazing provision you have made for us to access all your power, authority, wisdom, strength and guidance. Your word tells us that we have been given fullness in Christ who is head over every power and authority. We repent of the times we have prevented you from working in our lives because we failed to ask you for help. We failed to surrender ourselves fully to you. Thank you that because of you, Jesus, our sins are forgiven and we are being changed from glory into glory being made perfect, Lord, just like you. What an incredible thought. Us, perfect. Thank you, Lord, for your patient love and the enabling power you give through your Holy Spirit, the very breath of Father God, the Spirit of Jesus living in us. 
How awesome, Lord. How simply amazing. Lord, we pray for our children and youth that they would learn these truths very early on in their lives so that their faith will be anchored in you, that they will always know that your spirit dwells within them and that all the resources of heaven are theirs and that they will learn the importance of surrendering themselves to you and living for you. We pray your blessing over each one of them today, their families and teachers, and we thank you for your loving faithfulness. Lord, we also thank you that Hans is with us this morning. We pray your anointing on him and the message he will bring. We know that we will hear you speak to us through him, and we thank you for his ministry and the wonderful gifts you have given him. Be with us all, Father, in our endeavour to live in a state of surrender and contemplation of you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks, Carol. Yeah, I'll invite Hans up now. And um, it's, we are just saying before the service, it's great that we have such a network of brothers and sisters who can come and share and be with us. And so uh, Hans heads up the Sterling CRC Church there as the senior pastor, and we're just really glad that you could be back with us once again. So thanks. Well, it's not actually true. I retired from that a few years ago. <laughs> but I'm based there, and I'm very uh, pleased to still be part of the church there and Handed the church over a few years ago to uh, my offsider for many years, so Derek Crozer. And so um, my role now is to move around our churches a lot. So I've just come back from 10 days on the west coast um, in Air Peninsula with wonderful churches over there and through the mid-north. So went from Bullaroo Centre where there's a little small rural church to Port Augusta, where there's a very interesting church with much cultural diversity, to Minipa, uh, over on the middle of York of Air Peninsula, in the middle of the Wheatland, and uh, they're they're having a great time harvest, uh, getting ready for what they hope will be a bumper harvest this year, because again, great rains, and uh, then down into Lock and to Streaky Bay, and to uh, Tumby Bay, and to Port Lincoln. So busy time. Uh, and But it was delightful. And just such a hunger amongst people. I haven't seen it like that for a while, uh, for quite a while. And, and going into like a place like Locke, where there is, uh, not, it's not a big town, and there's not a lot of activity of churches there. And the, the little um, Anglican church that we had was full of people midweek that came together, and the same in Minipa, and heaps of young people in that church and young adults. So that which was really exciting to see young families and people with, with, um, with just an enthusiasm for God and hunger to want to seek more. The church in Port Lincoln is, is a significant church. It's got, uh, I don't know, well, well over 150 people that are going there now. So it's a very strong and healthy church. And I was just very encouraged. I'd been to Wyana a few weeks earlier, so I didn't go back there this time. But you, know, you need to remember those churches that are over there because, you know, once you get over to, say, Port Lincoln, you're almost as far, or you are as far away from Adelaide as Melbourne is. And, you know, you, you, we forget the remoteness of some of those communities. And, and uh, yeah, it's very exciting. So that's what I'm doing now, all right, moving around churches like this one. So most Sundays... Uh, probably two out of three, two out of four Sundays, 
Now, a month, I'd be somewhere else than at Stirling. But next Sunday, I'm at Stirling, so. Yes, well, my joy to share the word of God with you again. I might just move this a little bit so I can see this. This screen's going to come on in a minute, I think, isn't it? So I can follow up from there. Um, I want to talk to you this morning around the theme that I think you've been following of late of the Holy Spirit, but talk particularly in the context of societal change because uh, the Holy Spirit was given not just for our own edification but to actually bring transformation to our world. And when Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem till they received power from on high, he was about to birth something that had never been there before called the church. And the church was to be his vehicle of expression to a world that had drifted a long way away from God. Now, the stats have just come out from the latest census suggesting that more Australians are now non-believers in God than have ever been. And it's the growing religion of Australia is, is actually uh, agnosticism or, and even uh, some would suggest there, uh, they don't believe at all. Um, the, bo- the bottom line is we need a lot of Holy Spirit work <laughs> in our culture. And we need churches like this one to, to start to blossom and grow and develop and, and impact our world because it's God's desire to want to bring people into a full relationship with himself. And, you know, it's so sad when you see so much of our culture that's drifting further and further away from God into all sorts of little subgroupings and directions that they've got for their lives and realise they're falling way short of the glory of God, (laughs) way short of what life should look like. And, you know, it's not that we want people to become religious It's not that we want to foist upon them some sort of framework of thinking in life that would uh, be detrimental or restrictive to them. In fact, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you in abundance. The whole purpose of Jesus' coming was actually to add value, not detract value. And yet people would perceive the church as as, as so much of of an environment where you lose rather than gain. Well... We're here to declare something different. Isn't that right? And, uh, you know, you're the catalyst. You are the catalyst for this, to bring about change to our society. And so, uh, you know, I've been in a few seasons of revival in my life. It's amazing when you see things starting to unfold at a pace that you can't you can't really fathom. I think a few weeks ago you had Pastor Bill Vasilakis here. and There's a few faces here that I recognise that we're from that season where he came to Christ and where I certainly was impacted by. And I'd have to say, as I look back on it, it was a real spirit of revival that happened amongst a whole bunch of young people. Pastor David Smythe there was one of those, and his wife Narina and Bev and many others that I remember from that era where I came to Christ in, in an active way and where Pastor Bill, who spoke here a few weeks ago, I think he shared his, some of his testimony as well. I want to see more of that. I want to see a lot of young people coming to know Christ. I want to see many families coming to know him. I want to see homes that are filled with God at the very much at the centre of their thinking and activity. You know, I was so, I'm so grateful for my own heritage in that my own parents came to Christ in a, in a transformational way and in a way that brought about 
an environment that I grew up in where our house was always full of people. And, you know, I don't know where they came from, but Dad, Mum and Dad would have people always in our home with all sorts of levels of need and, uh, and uh, ministering to them. Some would stay for a night or two. Some would end up living even with us for years. And it was that sort of place that I grew up in where the gospel was lived and where the power of the Holy Spirit was something people hungered for. And they'd come and they'd uh, desperately want the things of God. And I want more of that. I really do. I want to see that hunger in our churches. And so that's what I want to speak into this morning because I believe as much as I am blessed by the Holy Spirit myself, there is a corporate blessing and an impact that is to come through the power of the Holy Spirit that is transformational to our world. And that can turn those sorts of trends around. I'd like to believe that the next census would show something very different in the statistics of Australia and their attitudes towards belief. And instead of there being agnosticism and atheism on the grow, that instead there would be just a great growth in churches like this and people that are hungry for for the, re- the reality that is there. And that's the sad thing, is that so many people who've gone down that agnostic and, and, and uh, atheistic route think they're experiencing life. And they don't realise how much they're actually missing out on. And it's, it's our privilege to radiate out the love of Christ in a way that can transform uh, people's worlds and transform Australia. So, you know, I've, I've put up here a, a few um, slides that you can follow. And if you want this afterwards, it'll be here. And you're welcome to use it. I might just move this over this way a bit. We live in a society at many levels that's becoming increasingly binary. People have their little places of belonging. And uh, they, they're, either, they're either in this camp or in that camp. And... Um, Fundamentally, there are two camps that operate. There's the camp of this world and there's the camp of of heaven. And the church was supposed to be a place in the middle where the Holy Spirit would create this amazing interface between heaven and earth, where we would experience something of heaven here on earth and where we would experience the realities and beauties of the things here on earth through the, through the vista and the glory of what is God's view and purpose. And so we live, whether we like it or not, the reality is there's a seen world and an unseen world. And Holy Spirit is in this place in the middle and wants to bring the unseen into the seen. And that's where I want to take us a bit this morning as we share together. I read recently something that I think was, was really important, and I'll, I'll mention it just in a moment. There it is, the quote. It came from uh, John Anderson, our former uh, Deputy Prime Minister, and he has a, a series of things that I watch sometimes, conversations where he has with various key people. And he was talking in this particular one, I can't even remember who he was talking with, but he made this quote. He said, the binary mind creates quick comfort and false security, but rarely wisdom. It focuses on things that divide rather than what we have in common. And what he was alluding to is something that he saw, and I think we all see, that the divisions in our society are becoming more and more marked. 
that people are in different camps and different attitudes. I put their tribes, camps and concerns. People are strong about certain concerns. They are driven by things that they believe in and hold to firmly and they develop a tribe around them that think the same way. Uh, the, the net ref- result of that, of course, is that it brings division. At a macro level, we see those, those positions happening out in nations and nations struggling against each other, like we're seeing in the Ukraine at the moment with Russia. But it's in lots of other places of, of, of equal import and tragedy for the people as, they, as people take binary positions of us versus them and they latch onto their causes and their strong opinions about what they believe. And at the human level, at the micro level of our own hearts, we tend to develop these binary positions. In this room right now, there are strong opinions on certain things. And if I push the right button, we could end up in different camps. Unfortunately, uh, that is what often and sometimes divides groups of people. They take their points of view to the, to the nth degree, to the extremes. Now, if I just come back to the picture that I had there before, two circles, and in the middle is an area of overlap. I want to just discuss a bit with you this morning that area of overlap because there's a lot of things that happen in the middle. Where are we going? Come back here. I flicked on way, way too fast. There we go. I came across this concept recently called the mandala. I'd never heard of it before, but evidently the region in the middle of those two circles that overlap is called the mandala. What happened then? That's me. Are we coming back? Okay, let me just see where I'm up to here because I'm not following it very clearly. Okay, here we go. If you can picture those two circles, the area of overlap in the middle is is called the mandala. I'd never... I'd never understood that from my math studies and Venn diagrams and all that sort of stuff. No one ever used that term, but evidently it's a term that goes back to uh, Italian language. It's the word for an almond and it's a picture of that shape, and that's where it gets its word from, that it's at the middle of the, that region in the centre where there is the overlap. As I said before, in this room, we could hold very strong opinions on numbers of things. That would divide us. But there's a heck of a lot that also, comb- that also we share in common. And in the words that, um, that John Anderson was saying, he said, so often we drift to those things that divide us rather than to those things that we share in common. And uh, whilst it's, it's nice to have your own camp and your own tribe that all thinks the same way, the reality is we have to learn to live together in a bigger community than just our own points of view. And here at the centre of this overlap is this term called the mandala. 
And I want to talk about that a bit with you because it's actually a sacred symbol. It's used in a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of faiths, uh, use the notion symbolically and it's, it's there in the Christian faith as well. And I've put a couple of scriptures up there that relate to the notion of the almond. <laughs> when Moses put all the staves of the tribes in front of the Holy of Holies and one spouted, and was the spouting of, of Aaron's um, staff. And it spouted with almonds. And it came forth with, with this growth that wasn't expected. Blossomed and produced almonds, a sacred symbol. Exodus 25. And on the lampstand, there are to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. Now, I only say that because there's a... There's a significance to, to the pictural imageries that happen all through the Bible. And we often take them and think they're just per chance. But there's actually something very significant of the shape of the almond in the middle of overlapping circles. And I want to explain that to you a little bit now. Sometimes we think that that area of overlap is where the lowest common denominator happens between us. That if we pictured you as one circle and me as the other, we find those areas in which we overlap and that's where we uh, try to live our lives, but we compromise some of the things that we hold different. And so we sometimes think that that area in the middle is the point of weakness. But instead of it being the weak spot, I want you to come and see that that's actually the sweet spot. Now, here's an interesting uh, picture. If you've ever been into some of the older cathedrals and pictures where they have stained glass windows or, or mosaics or, or, or thing, frescoes that are painted on the wall, they'll often paint Jesus right there in this almond shape, picturing him as the mandola, picturing him in that space that I've put up there between heaven and earth, and as I said there, Jesus is the perfect embodiment of the overlap of heaven and earth squeezed into human form. And so Jesus came to earth to show us what heaven could be like and to bring that link for people between earth and heaven. And then instead of there being the separation, there would come about this amazing fusing of earth and heaven and heaven here on earth. And so when you see some of those symbols, we just see the, the almond shape there that Jesus is in, but it's actually a picture of two circles that are overlapping, re representing the overlap of earth and heaven. And that's where Holy Spirit came, to bring that overlap into our worlds and to show us how instead of us being in our binary positions that keep us apart, we can actually find those things that cause us to live together more effectively. The Acts of the Apostles were actually about bringing reformation and restoration. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, it says, and, and full of faith in the Holy Spirit, the word increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to the word. In a very short space of time, 
What happened at the day of Pentecost amongst 120 or so believers transformed society and spread out to affect a whole world. The word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied. And you can read on through the other passages of, of, into the next chapters of the book of Acts and that multiplication starts to affect their world. Because the gospel was not to be just cloistered in the experience of the people who got it, but was to affect the way that a community and a society, society functioned. Where we would become the healing balm for our culture, where we could bring about an influence and an effect that would be reformational and would be restorational to our world where we would bring about a consideration and respect that draws people together. Now, as I said before, this is not the weak spot. This is the sweet spot. This is the place where instead of us off being off in our camps and in our differences of belief, we come together in the commonality of purpose and power that is brought about by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit wants to bring people together, and it's the devil who wants to bring people apart. And what we see increasingly in our society today is a fracturing of our society. The West is, is, instead of being gathered around a lot of the values and core ideas that came out of our Christian faith and out of having Jesus at the centre of our lives, it's now drifted off into all sorts of different thoughts and ideas and everybody is off in their circles out there in places of difference rather than the places of unity. And what John Anderson was lamenting is the fact that we like our little camps because we feel comfortable and secure, but it divides instead of finding that place where we come together. It's always been a struggle for people to come together. And that's why the Holy Spirit is so important. Because as we draw close to Jesus and as we focus on him, we are brought to a place where we lose sight of our differences and we bring respect and consideration of others and their opinions into a way that doesn't water us down but brings unity of purpose and clarity like we've never seen it before. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really keen for us to see the power of the Holy Spirit transform our world as we develop more and more kingdom thinking now, you've been following through the book of Acts, and I understand you're up to about Acts chapter 6 and 7. Is that right? Or you're going to do 5. I was told, don't do 5 because I got that all prepared. But Acts 6 and 7 is interesting because it's the stories particularly of the life of Stephen. And Stephen was just one of the disciples, baptised obviously in the Holy Spirit, and he becomes uh, pivotal as an example to the Christian church and to those early believers of what living for Christ was all about. Uh, in Acts chapter 6 and 7, we read a bit of his story, that he was a man, it says, who was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Obviously, the Holy Spirit had come upon him and he was a man that was filled with faith, filled with power, filled with the sense of the Holy Spirit. He was called to become a deacon which we often think as those who are less spiritual, they can deke. 
You know, they can do the practical things like putting out the chairs and taking up the the offering and doing welcomes and all that stuff. No, no this was a de- he was a deacon that was that was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the, the sense of the early church was that it was a church that was that was empowered at every level by the Holy Spirit. And Stephen was one of these characters. And Stephen, it says, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Forget about just putting out the chairs. There was transformational power that was manifest through his life. But it goes on to say they were unable to cope with his wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. This is those who were in that other binary world of this world. And they couldn't cope or understand this amazing world of heaven that had suddenly come amongst them. And they couldn't handle, it says, or cope with the wisdom and spirit that was oozing out of this man. It goes on to say, and, and they fixed their eye gaze on him, and all who were sitting in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. You like people to say that about you? Not because you're beautiful in earthly terms, but there's something that's emanating out of you. That is a touch of heaven. And where people say, I'm on what you've got, because it just, it's there. And in Stephen, there was something that was there that people saw, and they saw heaven on earth. They called it, called it the face of an angel, but it was the presence of the Holy Spirit so oozing out of him that it transformed the world around about him. And as he touched and ministered to people, even in the practical sense of a deacon, it was, it was a, a sense in which there was miracles that flowed, signs and wonders that accompanied his world. I'm encouraged by this because it's the first story we have of people that are are not the disciples, not the heavyweights, but the people who were the workers, if you like, of the church, but who displayed the atmosphere, the chemistry, if you like, the the, the DNA of that of that early church. He, of course, became the first martyr, the first person to lay down his life for the gospel. And it became transformational to um, the greatest apostle, perhaps of all, in the apostle Paul, as he observed what happened and stood there at Stephen's death. And it was from Stephen's death that the church suddenly came into that great period of dispersal and growth, that out of his dying and out of the model of his life being filled with the Spirit, there came about a transformation that was to affect the known world. It says the church dispersed after that period. And from there, the gospel was taken into all sorts of regions of the then known world. The Holy Spirit was at work, even in the midst of a martyrdom. And it was working in a way that you could never fathom or perceive at the natural level. But it was this overlap of earth and heaven, and earth being touched by heaven as the person of Christ, the Mandola, started to ooze his presence through his Holy Spirit into the lives of tens of thousands and further people. 
And while they were stoning Stephen, it says, he cried out to them, Lord, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried in a loud voice, Lord, do not let this sin against, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he passed away. Reminds us of the exact same picture of Jesus, doesn't it? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he passed away. And, and, and Stephen is an example of the Christ that comes into the midst of our world to bring about transformation and change. And it flowed out of his life and flowed out of the effects of his life for the years, maybe generations that followed. Now, our society is becoming increasingly divided and fractured, and I'm concerned by that. You know, what used to be the sense of, 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 of us all flowing together in one direction, uh, I think a lot of people are commenting on the, on the deep divisions that are happening in Western societies. It's very obvious when you look at a place like, like America right now, where there's strong opinions on all sorts of things, where the divide between... Um, People has grown. And people have suggested that that's in fact uh, driven by a spirit that's there of division. And of course the devil's way has always been that in divided we fall. And we know that united we stand. <laughs> that there's a spirit of Christ that wants to bring people together, but there's a spirit of, uh, of the demonic world that wants to pull people apart and cause division and breakdown. Interestingly, as you look back over history, many of the, of the societies of the past crumbled not from without but from within. It wasn't that they broke down because they were invaded. It was that they broke down because they, they disintegrated. And they broke up into different camps, into different points of view, into their own binary positions, into their own, this is what I believe, that's what you believe. And they crumbled as they pursued their own interests and directions. And so we see much the same in our own culture today as, as the narcissistic spirit grows within our culture of what's in it for me and my beliefs and my rights and my opinions. And everybody wants what they want for themselves and fails to understand what there is in common. And instead of us living in that area of overlap, in that area which draws us together, we live in our binary positions where I want what I've got and I believe in what I believe. And we've got to be really careful that the church doesn't fall into that as well. Because the church should be a place where people with many different opinions can come together in the purpose person of Jesus and that Jesus' presence and power through the Holy Spirit could transform and change their thinking from the inside out rather than to try to change and hold the positions that we have and, and try to convince everybody of our rights and our correctness. It was C.S. Lewis who talked about the basic issues, one of ego and pride. He said, pride lies at the heart of every human failing. Pursue humility with every ounce of your being and know that the minute you are making progress, you are not. 
The issue is you. When you point the fingers at others and say, I wish you would be like me, remember there's three fingers pointing back at you that talk about you changing rather than the other person changing. The issue and the challenge to our lives is to come together in the power of the Holy Spirit and allow him to do the changing. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring societal change. In Acts chapter 17, we read an interesting verse. It says, and they spoke of Jason and the other disciples. And they said, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here as well. I love, I love focusing on some of these characters you don't hear about much in Scripture. We never hear about Jason anywhere else. You may never have even heard about him until I've just quoted him to you. But what a, what, a, what a way to be described as a man who turns his world upside down. Could that be the case for, for you here? We read of Stephen and we've just seen the way that his life was so instrumental, but there were many that became affected by that man's life and illustration of his life and sacrifice of his life. Jason was probably one of them. And it talks about Jason and other disciples. They turned their world upside down because the Holy Spirit's power and purpose was to bring about societal change. And Christ... The mandola brings people together rather than pushing them apart. If you look in scripture, the rich and the poor and the Jew and the Gentile, the male and the female, the old and the young, the educated, the uneducated, were brought together in an amazing way that was possible through the presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus blended people together. Always remember that story where, where Jesus was, conf- was brought the, the woman who was caught in adultery, remember? And, and, uh, and the, the Pharisees are trying to bait Jesus, trying to get him to, to, to be caught out. And he starts writing in the sand. <laughs> and he stands up and he says, Now, who of you has committed no sin, cast the first stone? I don't know what he wrote down there because he starts writing again. Maybe he wrote down their various sins and then he put their names down next to it the second time. I I don't know. But the net result was one by one, starting with the eldest there, they started to disappear until in the end there's just Jesus and this lady standing. And Jesus says to her, where are you, those who would want to call you guilty? Where are they gone? Your accusers. He says, now you go, you go on your way, but sin no more. And Jesus had the capacity to bring even a woman like that into his world and transform and change her, not by stoning her or as the Pharisees would want to, to bring her into their camp, but he brought people together, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, male and female, old and young, educated, uneducated. I love the fact that in a place like a church, it can be embracive to all. 
Because the Holy Spirit there at the centre of our overlapping circles brings us into the place of commonality, into that place where we see Jesus and Jesus only in each other. I'm, I'm excited by the vibrancy of churches and their differences. And, you know, I've, even as I just shared with you where I've been in recent weeks, you know, to be in a church like Port Augusta, so different to a little rural church in Lock. <laughs> and yet people are hungry for God, being brought together despite their differences, brought together into a new world order called the life of the Spirit. And that was to be the feel of the Holy Spirit transforming and changing society and culture. We know something of the Roman and Greek culture of Jesus' world. It was a screwed up, mixed up, terrible society at many, many levels. And yet the power of the Holy Spirit came and started to transform and reform its world. When you look at some of the great seasons of revival, take one, for instance, the Wesleyan revival that was part of the great move of the Spirit that brought about the Methodist church. I mean, that revival transformed British culture. It changed their world and stopped them from heading down the the slippery slope that the secular culture of France had gone down into revolution. And here was another force that came in that would not divide people but bring them together in a unity of purpose. And so we see as you study that, that history that the whole tide of, 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 of British society turned around because there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Our country needs that. We need to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that takes people from all their different camps and ideas. Just, just look at this. There's a whole heap of division that happens on gender issues in our society today, isn't there? Or on climate change, or whether you're green enough, whether you eat meats or don't eat meats, whether you're nuclear or non-nuclear, or renewable or non-renewables, or, or, or the rights of the child has come to the fore again of late, as opposed to the rights of the mother, or, or, or the, whether it's a young earth or an old earth, now a whole view of, of creation. Whether you're vax or anti-vax has become a big thing. Just had elections, whether you're liberal or labor, or now you can be teal. But we get into these different camps and binary positions, and there's strong opinions about these things, strong convictions on them. And it's not necessarily our role to say what's right and wrong so much as it is to say, where's Jesus? Because Jesus has a way of showing people what's right and wrong. I mean, let me just make a little aside. You know, when and some of those who were in that move of God in, in, the, in the 70s that I was alluding to before, well, that happened in an incredibly conservative church. When I think back to my own roots in that church, I remember once I wore a coat to church and one of the women came up to me and said, oh, now you look like a good Christian boy because I was finally wearing a coat. I don't think I wore it again. (laughs) 
on purpose. But, you know, it was amazing. Into that church that was conservative at so many levels, in their music style, in their, the way people thought and acted, came a whole bunch of young people that came from pretty out there backgrounds. And, and I think one of the great things in the, in the leadership of that church, and particularly Pastor Leo Harris, who was the, the pastor of that congregation, was his ability to look past the outward and allow God to change people from the inside out. And so, you know, people would change eventually. And Bill, I think, shared a little bit of his own personal testimony and conviction. I can remember him ducking around the back of the church to have a puff. <laughs> and, and, you know, eventually that all just dropped off. But you see, you know, what I'm trying to say is sometimes we want people to change to our points of view instead of drawing them to the person of Jesus. And Jesus brings great commonality of purpose between all of us as we allow him to transform and change us. Because that's the Holy Spirit's role. There's a whole stack of things that could divide us. But there's a lot of things that can bring us together as well. <laughs> Philippians, these verses I've got over here, it says, the important thing is that in every way Christ is preached. Or, or in the next verse, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus, for in him it is that we live and move and have our being. God wants to bring people together into that sweet spot, into that place where our lives overlap in the person of Jesus. And we start to see world, our world not from our binary differences, but from the commonality brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit is that we might be a church that brings heaven to earth and brings earth into a place where it understands something of what heaven's going to be like. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll go out and become my missionaries, my, my, speak, my spokespeople into your world, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. And it happened. The Holy Spirit came upon that group of people and they became transformational to their world. And Lord, may that come upon you as a group of people this morning. Now, I want to give some words to people at the end of the service today, and uh, I'm going to point some of you out, and I'd love you to come if you've got the time to just be at the front here and we can just pray, because I love giving scriptures to people and encouraging them at a personal level. And if I don't point you out in a moment, then and you feel you've come to church really hungry to receive a word from God, please come, because I want to give the next uh, period over to us just hearing from God and sensing what God's saying into your world and life and and giving scriptures to people is just such a, a beautiful way but I, but but what I'd like to do right now is is just pray for you as a church that in this season where you're looking at the holy spirit that you take inspiration from a guy like Stephen not that I want you to be martyred but that you're willing to stand up for your for the faith 
and that you will be described as someone who has the face of angels and that you might be a sort of person that moves in the, in the power of the Spirit in a way that allows signs and wonders and miracles to flow out of your life, to touch your friends and neighbours and those around about you and that before we know it, this little group of people affects Blackwood in a profound way, and from that, the Adelaide Hills, and from that into who knows where the Holy Spirit would want to work. And that the sorts of things that I have experienced in the past would yet be experienced fresh in the future. So I want to pray for you as a church, that you'd find that amazing place at the centre Oh, heaven and earth overlapping, where the Holy Spirit dwells, where Jesus is the focus, and where people become conscious not of their differences but of their points of commonality and brings people together and society together and where we become a healing balm to our world. Can you believe for that? Come on, let's stand on our feet and let's just pray for that. Father, we just want to see that transformation come into our churches into our culture, into our society. And I speak for this church here at Blackwood, for the Hills Christian Family Centre. Thank you that you've raised them up, not for what they've been, but for what they are yet to become. Thank you, Lord, that you've given them this facility in which they are today for various reasons, lots of empty seats, but you want them to be filled, filled with people who are hungry for the things of God, but not just church on Sunday, but church Monday to Friday and Saturday as well. That every day of the week we would see people in each other's homes hungry for the things of God, wanting to learn about God, wanting to hear about him, seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit, pursuing God and drawing people not into that spirit of division where we live in our differences, but where we come to that sweet spot in the middle where our lives overlap and meld around the person of Jesus. Holy Spirit, you've come to bring Christ to the forefront of our thinking and world. And Lord, I pray for this church in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, would you let a spirit of revival just start to pour out here? Father, I felt a little bit of it over there on the West Coast a week ago. Just some hunger and keenness and eagerness amongst people to pursue the things of God. And things were starting to happen. And there were people there that had never been in church for years that were coming to Christ. And people being drawn in to the things of God that was just amazing to see. And I want to see that here in this church and for that story to be this story for our church at Stirling and for other congregations all around this region, that instead of the church being a place on the retreat, we would start to affect our society and its culture and, and, the, and the demographic trends that are there and our senses for next year, that there would, be, there would be a turning around of the tide in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, it's your show. It's your church. Pour out your spirit upon us in an even greater measure and way. Because, Lord, I know you don't, as much as you'd want to touch and transform and change our lives individually, you want to do it to society. And we cry out for Australia. We pray, Lord, that it won't need to go down a more and more uh, atheistic route, that it won't become more and more narcissistic in its thinking and lifestyle 
that that spirit and that ego issue that's at the heart of people, their pride, where they want to do things their own way, would, Lord, break that. And that we'd find instead of us being divided, we'd come together into those things that draw us into the great power of what a nation like this can become under the purposes of God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, as the presence of Jesus is made real here on earth right now. Come, Holy Spirit, pour out upon this church afresh. Lord, be with the leadership of this church as they take this church forward into that. For Sam and the rest of the team here, Lord, let them just, as they, as they explore this book of Acts, may become Acts action. May it become something that is, is outworked in the lives of people where we don't just read about it and hear about it, where we don't just reflect upon past history, but, Lord, we, we, we see it right now in our midst, now pouring of your spirit like we've never seen before. Lord, I, I long for that. I pray for that. And I speak that over this church's destiny and purpose in Jesus' name. Pour out your spirit. Thank you, Father. I wonder, uh, Dan, if you'd like to come up and wrap things up now and maybe the music team can just lead us in a song as we close off, huh? But I just want to point out a few people that I, I felt I was really praying about this yesterday and our piano player there, after you finish playing piano, would you come? I feel I've got a word for you. Um, for Avril, I saw her sitting here. I feel I've got a word for you this morning, Avril. Uh, for David Ratz, where are you? He was here. Yeah, there he is. David, please. I'd love to give a word. And I'm not just giving words to people that I know, but these are some that I do know. Anthony, I thought I had a word for you. Um, who else did I write down here? This lady here, I don't know your name. Yeah, I'd love to give a word to, word to you. That would be fantastic. Um, now, there was a couple of others I just felt as I was. This lady here with the mask on. Yeah, I forget your name. Lisa. Lisa, I'd love to give a word to you. Um, I'd love to give a word to you, David Smythe. just feel I have a word for you too. And, uh, and any others that just want to come forward, just please just come. All right, so but let's hand over to, to Dan. And uh, thank you so much for your attention this morning. Thank you so much. Well, why don't we just sing a song and we'll create a space so that if those who were pointed out would like to come forward and have a chat to Hans and have that received, that would be fantastic. Um, so Nadine, I'll just pass to you and we'll just sing a song and um, then we'll close.